Are you trying to squeeze the starting solid food stuff into your already busy schedule? Well, I have an all-in-one done-for-you solution that's going to take the guesswork out of feeding your baby. My online program is called Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro. It contains all of my baby led weaning training videos, the original 100 First Foods content library, plus a 100-day meal plan with recipes like the exact sequence of which foods to feed in which order. So if you want to stop trying to piece all this feeding stuff together on your own, I would be honored if you would join me inside of the program. You can get signed up at babyledweaning.co slash program. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The positive tilt in my mind is a construct. It's a feeling and it's something you can feel it and see it. The positive tilt is a coming together at the food. It's a connection. It's a yes moment. Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor, and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast, I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby-led weaning. Is your baby giving you permission to offer new foods? Or are there cues telling you maybe, eh, I'm not ready yet? Today's guest is Marsha Dunn-Klein, a frequent visitor to the Baby-Led Weaning Made Easy podcast. And Marsha's gonna be teaching us about her construct known as the positive tilt. So the positive tilt is a component of Marsha's get permission approach to offering new foods to babies. Marsha Dunkline is a pediatric occupational therapist. She's specialized in working with children who have feeding challenges and she's done so for over 50 years. She actually co-authored the first book on pediatric feeding or pre-feeding skills. And her latest book is Anxious Eaters, Anxious Mealtimes, Practical and Compassionate Strategies for Mealtime Peace. So she's the get permission lady. She's the anxious eater lady. She's the mealtime peace lady. And she put it all together in 2021. Marsha and her colleagues started the Get Permission Institute, an online education platform providing feeding courses for professionals. And she also has some parent stuff now, but it's based on the principles of the get permission approach. So this idea of the positive tilt is among one of the many constructs that she's developed and has promoted. And I just want to say for the other feeding professionals who are listening it is so important that we are giving credit where credit is due. And I can say personally, as someone who sees a lot of my own techniques and frameworks being copied without attribution, it not only spoils my blood, but it makes me so invested in making sure that we as feeding professionals are aware of the body of work that comes from the practitioners who came before us and those who also continue to work alongside us like Marsha Dunn-Klein. So this is also a bit of a history lesson about some of the approaches that Marsha uses in her Get Permission Institute, which has shaped a lot of the way that many of you, perhaps as feeding therapists, are currently utilizing in your practice. And the Get Permission Institute, which if you are a feeding professional, is a wonderful online location with a lot of courses and trainings. There's also info there for parents and caregivers and healthcare professionals. So Marsha is always so gracious with her time and sharing her expertise and in sharing her experiences and also her own constructs and the different theories that she's developed. If you're wondering if you've heard her before, she's been on the podcast back in episode 206. We did a very popular episode called Stay in Your Lane. 
parent and baby roles in infant feeding with Marsha Dunkline. And she was also in episode 170. That episode was called Sensory 101, What Motivates Babies to Eat with Marsha Dunkline. So today, Marsha's back talking about the positive tilt, how to get permission from your baby. With no further ado, here's Marsha Dunkline. Hi, Katie. How are you? I am good. It is always so wonderful to hear. I can hear your smile in your voice. Now, I've already done a very glowing backgrounder in the intro on the importance of your work, the work you do currently, the work you have done over the decades. But could you give us an update? I'm just curious, what are you working on these days? What's exciting you in feeding today? Oh my goodness, such a big question. So I'm being pretty active in the Get Permission Institute, which I co-founded, and we're putting lots of courses online, new things every month, where we're trying to teach about infant feeding, picky eaters, um, relationship-based feeding, and not only are the Get Permission staff presenting, but also we're inviting perspectives, courses, colleagues that have sort of similar ways of thinking, complementary ways of thinking, as we really try to all expand our information about feeding. Another thing I do have to tell you about is you know that I invented the teether hearts. It's a mouthing toy that's the shape of a heart. And I love them. You sent me like a million and I give them to every single baby I encounter, multiple ones. They love them. Yes. So first of all, we're, we're sending them everywhere because I just want them in people's hands. But the thing that's exciting, Katie, is that we're working with the company and working with hospitals to get grants to buy them in bulk, to just give them out to babies. And the thing I like about that is that we're sending babies home from hospitals and clinics with a heart-shaped mouther to remind babies and families about the connection and the relationship and the love that we want to immerse in the feeding relationship. So it's pretty exciting. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And I love those teether hearts. They come in a package of, they're two to a package or three to a package, Marsha? I can't remember. Three. Three to a package and lots of different colors. So every time a new baby comes to our house and we're doing baby led weaning, I always send them home with some. And I have to say that as a new mom, when I had no experience in feeding, I just thought it was a toy. I didn't realize that teethers were developmental and how they can be tied to helping to meet feeding milestones and then later speech. And then you put the beautiful teether hearts together with the heart, which is, I just think, so representative of the kind and loving work that you do. I know you have a discount code for those. It's Marsha20. Is that correct? Yes. And it's with special supplies. And maybe you can put that at the end. I will. And I put the link to the teether hearts with a bunch of pictures so you can see them in action. I always try to tag you in Instagram when the babies are uh, gnawing on them, chewing on them. We had a baby the other day. It was brand new, six months and two weeks, just sitting up. We were trying mango. Had some pureed mango, some strips of mango. She wasn't feeling anything. She took her shoe off and she started eating her shoe, Marsha. And I was like, oh gosh, you know, you can't put this on social media. Everyone would be like, and that dietitian, Katie, lets babies eat their shoe. So we were just talking with the mom and laughing. She says, you know, the only thing she wants in her mouth is her shoe right now. So we'll dip the shoe in the mango puree and see what she does. She grabbed the shoe, started licking her own shoe. This is all behind the scenes stuff. But I gave them the teether heart because I know you always recommend, well, listen, if they're not interested in eating in other ways, you might try dipping the puree for different flavors in it. And she took the teether heart and she started eating it off of the teether, which was probably more appropriate than eating it off of her own shoe. I love it. I love it. And you know, 
just as a, a plug for mouthing toys of all kinds, is that they give kiddos the opportunity to just learn about their mouth and learn about the front and the back of the mouth and their tongue learns about the side of their mouth. They learn about textures. And so I love mouthing toys as kind of a pre-utensil for some kiddos because they dip the teeth or heart or the mouthing toy in, in a food that's nearby or in their parents' plate, and they can find flavors that they love. So Marcia, you developed the get permission approach, which is, and this is a quote in your words, a responsive, sensitive, and supportive approach to feeding. And I wanted to ask for some background, like what was your impetus in formalizing this approach for other feeding professionals? And when you decided to formalize your approach, I'm just curious, what was the environment in pediatric feeding at the time? Like what was happening in your world in the area of feeding therapy and teaching before? Because I assume it was about not getting permission if you felt the need to go and create the get permission approach. That's so interesting. You know, because I've been doing this for over 50 years, Katie, I've been around some of this history, right? And when Suzanne Evans-Morris and I created the pre-feeding skills book in 1986, we really did pay attention to permission relationships, reading cues, supporting parent and baby bonding and attachment with feeding. And that was central to our world. And we learned from people from before us, Ainsworth and Bell. We learned from Chateau, people that were studying attachment and relationships. And then, so we shared our approach. And what I began to realize is that there were a lot of people that were inspired by what we were talking about, because it was the first feeding book that was out there. But also, there were a lot of people out there that had a much more behavioral strict approach where they were focusing on the adults getting food in kids. And I was hearing too many parents tell me about their kids coming to feeding therapy, crying and sobbing or crying when they got to the parking lot or crying when they were being forced to eat a new food that we're worried about. And, and to know me is to know that that's just not my style, that that just breaks my heart. And so I started really focusing on is the baby ready? Teaching therapists and teaching parents, is the baby ready for that food? Are they interested in it? How do we read baby's cues? Not how do we get this food in them because we're bigger. And that really seemed to shift how people who took my classes and stuff, how they thought about feeding. And I have to tell you, Katie, we're still working on this today. It's job security, Marsha. That's kind of how I feel as well. It's like if everyone had it figured out, we would all be out of a job. So thank you for the work you have done and are continuing to do. And I know personally, as someone who creates original programs and frameworks and techniques for helping prepare and offer food safely for babies, I'm a huge stickler for giving credit where credit is due. And so if we're talking about feeding babies, the concept known as the positive tilt is and always should be attributed to you, Marsha Dunn-Klein. So can you explain your concept of the positive tilt in infant feeding? And if you don't mind, give us some history of the idea and how it came to be. Well, thank you. So the positive tilt in my mind is a construct. It's a feeling and it's something you can feel it and see it. So when a parent offers food, that's one of the tenets of the get permission approach is the parents, the adults offer. And the child can come forward to say, yes, I want that food. I want that breast. I want that spoon. I want that cup. I want it. And they come together at the food. The baby can either reach for the food, open their mouth to say they want it. They could lean in. The positive tilt is a coming together at the food. It's a connection. It's a yes moment. But we see a lot of children when the food is offered, especially when the adults are thinking it's their job to get food in, right? But 
when the food is offered up, we see a lot of babies who are already worried about food, want to get out of the high chair, want to get away, want to push it away. That negative tilt, that pulling away is the opposite of the positive tilt. So in baby led weaning, Katie, you do the best job of saying, you know, babies, you know, we want to wait till they're sitting in a high chair that they have some postural strength, they have some support in their chair and their hands are available to interact with foods. And you're saying those wonderful things because we want babies to be able to be in charge of their pace and learning about foods. And I watch your Instagram all the time and you have all kinds of babies and some of them are thrilled to death. They have a positive tilt. They lean into the food. They want it. Their eyes get wide. They're grabbing things to put in their mouth immediately. And then, you know, all those other babies, there's a whole group of cautious babies that kind of lean back and check it out from a distance and kind of poke it around a little bit to start with. Every baby is different. And I always share, I always try to share it. I know you appreciate it because I know I see you sending me hearts that I say sometimes, I'm sorry, this is torturous to watch in stories for some parents. Like this is really, maybe really boring. And almost every single time I do that, you get so many messages. This is not boring. I needed to see this. My baby didn't immediately take to food. They don't look like all the other babies on social media. So I'm very intentional about sharing the lots of dead space because there's a lot of downtime where you think nothing's happening, but the baby's actually learning. So thank you for recognizing that. Well, Katie, you do that so well. And the thing is we get to offer and you get to offer a lot of different kinds of foods and textures. And I love that you're giving parents confidence in that area, but also you pause. We get to offer, but that doesn't mean immediately if they're not putting something in their mouth that we are going to just shove it in their mouth. Some babies need what we call, we call these rehearsals just to be around it, to touch it and feel it and smell it and pick it up and put it down. And I watched a baby the other day, pick up a banana for the first time, pick it up, put it down, pick it up, put it down, put it to their lips, took it away in their mouth, spit it out in the mouth, spit it out four or five times. And then maybe the sixth or seventh time they had it, a piece in their mouth, they thought, oh, well, I could chew this up and I could eat it. But it has to be at the child's pace. And that's the idea of get permission, Katie, is that we get to offer, but we are not requiring every baby to be alike. We are offering, and then it is our privilege as adults to watch how the baby's reacting to that food and see how can we help them you know, what foods can we help them feel comfortable with and what opportunities can we give them so they can go forward in food exploration at their own pace. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And I've learned so much from you, Marsha. Like, I'm a big talker. I'm a conversationalist. I, we get on a podcast episode, it takes me, Marsha, 30 minutes to actually start recording. She's like, should we start? I was like, oh, sorry. But to not talk, to be at peace, to don't touch the baby. Uh, we were just doing an episode all on the best advice that parents have to give other parents. Like if you could talk to yourself three months ago when you were starting baby led weaning, what advice would you give? And the first email we got back was said, there was some psychologist lady, they were talking about you, on the podcast talking about staying in your own lane and doing your job and don't touch the baby and micromanage things. I needed to hear that. And I always say, gosh, I need to hear that and be reminded of that sometimes. It's just quiet. It's dead space sometimes. Let the baby pick up and drop the food 50 times and not be wiping them with a wet wipe and reposition and putting the spoon back in their hand. Like they need lots of time to practice. So 
Thank you for reminding us of that. And I, I corrected her with your appropriate credentials and then sent her that episode again. But these messages are important for parents to hear because we live in this era where you just think, gosh, as a parent, I should automatically know how to do this thing I've never done before. Like, of course not. You don't know what's going on and neither does your baby. We all need space and time to learn. And I, I love your get permission approach because it's slowed down. We're not in a, this is not a race here, you know? And you know, sometimes when you offer foods, the baby may not put it anywhere near their mouth the first day or two you offer it. They're just having the opportunity to be around it. But as they have that opportunity in repeated ways in lots of different non-pushy situations, and as they feel safe and comfortable, you know, most babies are going to move forward at their own pace and, and just learn how to eat. And some babies are stuck for other reasons. But just because they're a little slower at the uptake doesn't mean we have to get in their face and do it to them. So reading cues, I think, is the most important thing we can teach parents. And so this construct of the positive tilt, which we attribute to you, you kind of touched on it previously, but I'm just guessing here the opposite of a positive tilt would be a negative tilt. Could you give us kind of a list of the things we want to look out for that in some babies in your experience could be an indicator that baby is not giving us permission to offer foods? So yesterday I worked with a family and the baby was 19 months old and was stuck. And the parent was offering the pouch and offering the food at his face and offering the spoon. And the baby would consistently push it away, turn away, basically saying, I'm not ready. And one of the things that I think we can learn from is when a baby is not doing what we expected or wanted, could we please think of that as communication They're letting us know what's going on for them and how ready their body is for that opportunity at that moment. They're ready or they're not. So instead of thinking of them as being a behavior problem and not doing what we think they should do, not taking that spoon or not taking that food, we can think of it as, okay, the baby is telling me I'm not ready right now. This isn't the right day, the right moment, or maybe parents, please, could you change the texture of that a little bit to make me more comfortable? But so... When babies have what some people would call a behavior issue, I'd rather think of it as kind of a clue to what's going on in their little nervous system and listen to them and respect them as a partner in this feeding. One thing I love about your teaching style, Marsha, is that you are always encouraging and upbeat, but I also love that you don't blow smoke up or you know what's, you keep it real. So for a lot of parents, feeding their babies is not fun. They are stressed. They are anxious. They don't know if what they're experiencing is their baby giving them permission or not. And so from your professional and life experiences, I'm wondering if you could share any coping mechanisms for parents who are currently feeling frustration in helping their baby transition to solid foods. The experience I've had is that a lot of times frustration comes from parents thinking they're doing what they think the world wants them to do and feeling like they're not being good enough. Like it's thinking like, oh my gosh, my friend's baby is eating 78 new foods by now and my child is playing around with two, right? There's lots of comparing out there. Social media, there's lots of shaming, there's judgment. I want to help parents take a deep breath and, and know you're doing the best you can and so is your baby, but it's not your job to get food in them. It's your job to give them the opportunity to learn about food, to find out what they love. And that every baby goes at their own pace. But sometimes we feel pressured to push our babies faster than they're ready to go. And that's when parents get really frustrated. I also want to say that, you know, when you're feeling frustrated, there's help out there. There are dietitians, feeding therapists out there that that can help. Just sometimes a conversation or two can be helpful. 
which is why, Katie, I love your podcast. I love your Instagrams because you are showing parents all the variations of typical. So we don't have to have every baby be enthusiastic eaters from day one. There's a whole variation, just like you and I and all of our adult friends. All of our friends don't eat the same. I have friends that come over for dinner and I always make them meat and potatoes and that's it. I have other friends that come over and I'm going to make Thai food and Moroccan dishes, right? We all are different eaters as adults and babies are different eaters as babies. The best way to help your child be really an enthusiastic eater over time is to keep offering variety and let them decide how fast they go. Marcia, you are always so gracious with your time and your talents, your willingness to teach new parents and other healthcare providers the concepts and skills that you've honed and perfected over the course of your professional life. So first of all, I want to say thank you for that. And then I want to ask for parents who are just discovering your body of work, as well as for feeding professionals, because we've talked about this. It is so important for feeding professionals to understand the history and to be giving credit where credit is due for these different constructs, things like you and I are creating. Where can they go to learn more about your work and learn from you? Thank you. So I mentioned earlier, the Get Permission Institute is an online platform that I co-founded with uh, Karen Dilfer and Stephanie Cohen. And we are putting my master course. We have an anxious eaters three-day class. We have a tube feeding three-day class. We also have a free class for parents called Dear Parent. And it's if you have an, a parent that's worried about a, an emerging pickier eater, it may be a great class for them to go look at. It's, it's free. So there's a lot of good information there. Because a lot of my world is spent with kids that that aren't typically developing eaters and that have gotten towards the picky end of the world. Um, I did write a book called Anxious Eaters, Anxious Mealtimes, and that's available out there in the world. So I'm doing the best I can to get a lot of information down, you know, while I still have lots of energy to do that. So you have so much energy and you said it, so I don't feel bad saying it, five decades of work, books and institutes and constructs and courses, and yet you still take the time to help and mentor new and emerging professionals like myself. I know you were talking about the different therapists that you work with. It is so impressive. I don't know where you get your energy from, but I just want to say how admirable it is. And thank you so much for all that you share because the work you have done and the work you continue to do is so important for so many different types of families. Oh, thank you, Katie. And that's a compliment coming from you who has enough energy to have a whole lot of kids and an amazing Instagram, an amazing way to support parents in so many ways, including this one. So thank you. All right, Marsha, we'll see you next time. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Oh, I just love getting to talk to Marsha. I feel like her episodes are always kind of short because it's been like the first half an hour, like picking her brain. What are you working on? What are you doing? What's new? Like what's the tea in the feeding therapy world? Because registered dietitians, at least in the United States, cannot be feeding therapists. And sometimes I take major issue with that. And I have a lot of other colleagues who are like, Katie, you really need to be leading the way for dietitians to become feeding therapists. And while I do think that dietitians are very uniquely equipped to deal with some of the aspects related to feeding difficulties and challenges, as Marcia said, I got a lot of work laid out for me right now, working with all different sorts of typical babies who are transitioning to solid foods. And yet there's many instances when babies may be atypical or neurodivergent and we heavily lean on our feeding therapist colleagues. And many feeding therapists have had the great opportunity to learn from leaders like Marsha Dunn-Klein. So if you would like to learn more about Marsha's resources, I'm going to link them all up on the show notes for this episode, which you can find at blwpodcast.com forward slash 236. 
Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned a little bit about the positive tilt. I hope if you are a feeding professional and you're referencing the positive tilt that you will give credit to Marcia Dunn-Klein as it is her construct. And thank you just for being here to learn more info, blwpodcast.com forward slash 236. Bye now. From the terrifying power of tornadoes to sizzling summer temperatures, AccuWeather Daily brings you the top trending weather-related story of the day, seven days a week. You can learn a lot in just a few minutes with stories about impending hurricanes, winter storms, or even what not to miss in the night sky. So listen and subscribe to AccuWeather Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's AccuWeather Daily wherever you get your podcasts.